Welcome to Lesson 4 Biology GCSE. Today we will be looking at how we can investigate the effect of pH on enzyme activity. This is required for both biology and combined science. For those of you who have the book of biology GCSE, it, this is found on chapter SB1H the book by Leslie and Kiersey. Those of you who are working with the PDF, this is not in the sample provided by Excel. So you must start thinking of buying the biology book so that you have access to all the chapters that we're going to be looking at. The PDF with the sample from Excel for combined science, it's going to last only until lesson five. I have prepared a handout that I attach to this audio with basically all the information that I'm going to explain. So I suggest you pause this audio and you find the PDF called Investigating the Effect of pH on Enzyme Activity. So this is an example of a question that you are going to get and it can be asked in many different ways. So it's more, most important that you understand the concept of setting up an experiment when you want to investigate the effect of one factor on a biological response. This applies to enzyme activity, and we're also going to be looking at other processes in plants where you are going to be investigating the effect of factors. Now, remember in lesson three, we looked at factors affecting enzyme activity. So these two lessons are closely linked. So if you haven't understood or revised lesson three, please pause the audio and make sure that you go over the material we covered in lesson three. So we are going to start by define, defining what our variables are. The independent variable in this case is the factor that we are going to investigate. So it's going to be pH. And you need to remember what are all the factors that affect enzyme activity. We said that temperature, pH, sub substrate concentration are the ones that you have to know really well. And also we mentioned that the concentration of the enzyme is going, of course, to affect the, the rate of the reaction that this enzyme will be catalyzing. So we are going to measure enzyme activity by measuring how fast this enzyme is going to act or how slow when you change the levels of the factor that you are studying. So if the independent variable is pH in this investigation, 
you will decide on the levels you are going to use. That's why we call it independent variable, because the person who is carrying out the investigation will, will set the value of the levels. In this case, is the value of pH. So you're going to choose different values of pH to see how it affects the activity of a particular enzyme. In order to do this, you use different buffer solutions or pH solutions. I recommend you always use a wide range unless it's a specific named enzyme that you know works best at low pH values or high pH values. But if you're going to choose an enzyme that is found in the human body, then you would expect it to work best at a neutral pH, which has a value of 7. So let's say then that you want 7 to be within the range of the levels that you're going to use to investigate this factor. You are going to, you can say, for example, we are going to use pH values from 1 to 10. So the values of your independent variable pH is going to be pH 1, pH 2, pH 3, pH 4, and so on until pH 10. All of this is in the handout that I prepared that is attached as a PDF. So make sure that you are following from there because everything is written. So if you want to print it and highlight, if that works best for you, then do that. If you can highlight it also on your, on your tablet as a PDF. Since you're investigating pH, then the other factors that affect enzyme activity must be kept constant during this investigation. So we use our theoretical knowledge. <clears throat> I already reminded you of what are the factors that affect enzyme activity. So in this case, we have to maintain temperature, substrate concentration, and enzyme concentration constant. Now I will tell you how you're going to do this. To maintain the temperature constant, we use a water bath at a set temperature. You are going to have to write down a value for temperature, okay? Now, in the book, there is a whole explanation about using the Bunsen burner and water in a beaker and warming up the water and placing a thermometer until, you, until the water temperature reaches 40 degrees Celsius. There are electric water baths also available uh, where you just plug it in, switch it on, and you will uh, set it to 40 degrees Celsius. You press start. And then you use a thermometer to check when the water will reach that temperature. And the machine will make sure that it stays at that temperature. However, the thermometer should always be there so that you can control that the temperature remains constant. Okay, now why 40 degrees? If you are going to work with an enzyme that is found in the human body, well, you know that it will probably work best at our normal body temperature, which is between 36, 37, okay, so up to 40 is good. So you just round it up and you, you can use 40 degrees. I'm going with 40 because that's the number that they give in the, in the book. 
but you could also have said we will use a temperature of 37 degrees. For the substrate concentration, make sure you use a given volume of the substrate solution every time you use a different pH value. So for example, if you decide on two centimeters cubed of the same of the substrate solution, then it's always going to be two cubed centimeters of the same substrate solution, okay? That will be containing a certain mass of substrate so that you make sure that the concentration of the substrate will be the same for all the different values of pH. Okay, so we have explained how to maintain the temperature constant and how to maintain the substrate concentration constant. Okay, remember that this is constant throughout all the different levels of your independent variable, which is pH. So for pH 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you will always use a temperature of 40 degrees and you will always use 2 cubic centimeters of the solution that contains the substrate. Okay. Finally, the concentration of the enzyme should also be kept constant. You, you can't risk putting more enzyme um, in different pH values because more enzyme will affect the rate of the reaction. The more enzyme you put, you expect the higher the rate. So you must, you must keep this factor constant, again, by using a stated volume of the same solution throughout the experiment. So we can go for uh, two uh, cubic centimeters of the enzyme solution. Obviously, you're going to use the same enzyme solution for all the levels of pH. So the same volume of the same solution containing the enzyme will ensure that you place the same concentration of enzyme in all the test tubes that you are going to place in the water bath. So for all values of pH, the temperature will be 40 degrees Celsius. The substrate concentration is going to be two cubic centimeters of the solution. And the enzyme concentration is also going to be two cubic centimeters of the enzyme solution. Okay, so you have a total now of four cubic centimeters in test tubes. Now, before we carry on describing what is happening in the laboratory, you must decide how to measure enzyme activity, okay? And we already said that you're gonna measure the time it takes for the enzyme to catalyze the, the reaction using a given mass of the substrate. So once the substrate is converted into a different substance, meaning that the chemical reaction have, have been already cut, has been already catalyzed by the enzyme, we know that the reaction has been completed. So once the substrate is, is changed into a different substance, it means that the substrate is going to be absent. It doesn't disappear by magic, but it's going to be absent because the atoms that were making that molecule were rearranged during a chemical reaction that was catalyzed by the enzyme. So you can measure the time it takes for the substrate to disappear or to be 
transformed chemically into different substances. The faster this is done, the better the enzyme will be acting on its substrate. Okay, remember we are looking at enzyme activity. So we want the enzyme to be as fast as possible. Once we measure the time, we can then convert time to rate of reaction and see how pH affects this response. And this is going to be our dependent variable that when we plot the graph is going to be placed on the y-axis is the response of your experiment, okay? That is, is going to be a measure of enzyme activity. Now we have to choose an enzyme and a substrate. We have to give names to these variables and, and factors and, and all of these things that we are talking about so that we can actually um, carry out the experiment. Well, one of the enzymes that we can work with is amylase. And we know that amylase is an enzyme that acts on starch. It digests starch, breaking it down to a simple sugar called maltose that is made of two molecules of glucose. So once amylase has acted on all the molecules of starch, Starch is broken down to maltose, so starch is no longer present in the solution, okay? So obviously, you're going to have to mix the starch with the amylase at some point, but you need to do this one level of pH at the time so that you can measure the time it takes for starch to be converted to maltose. So in this reaction... I, I wrote the reaction in the handout, so it's starch, which is the reactant, arrow, with amylase on top of the arrow, will be converted to maltose, which is written at the right of the arrow because it's the product. So what is the substrate? Starch is the substrate. Amylase is the enzyme. And maltose is the product. You've listened to an excerpt of the lesson that I have prepared for my virtual students on patreon.com. You are very welcome to visit my classroom there, patreon.com. Uh, and the URL is biology underscore lessons underscore on air, or search for my name, Veronica Solorzano Athanasiu. What follows is the explanation in detail of all the steps that are always presented for the study of how pH affects the activity of the enzyme amylase on starch using iodine solution as an indicator. It's not just the information that you're going to find in the books. This is what the, ch the children need to know. Uh, and based on the questions that I've heard from my students over a long, very, a very long teaching career. So I invite you to subscribe to my channel 
these lessons are in the biology turbo group and um, the next um, group of lessons will be uploaded at the end of August. So throughout the summer, these first uh, four weeks of lessons will be available. It will be a total of eight biology lessons accompanied by past papers with answers and notes prepared by myself to clarify the main concepts, to highlight what they need to remember and to also some prompts and some questions that um, the students can ask uh, themselves to clarify the key concepts. So thank you so much for listening. Feel free to listen to the other free lessons here on the podcast. I will be uh, publishing excerpts of all my lessons and also I will be uploading videos on my YouTube channel, Veronica Solorzano Athanasiu, where you can find also information about my virtual classes.